Heads up. Heads up. Yeah. We always get it right, don't we? Well, how about that? Yeah, I, I like Acela students. I do too. Yeah. I do too. Thank you. It's good to hear from you. So, um, a long time ago, I had a job. Yeah, a long mm -hmm. time ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. I had a job. And I'm not real proud of the fact that since I graduated from college, I've never been able to get another job. <laughs> Why is that? No one would hire me. Right. <laughs> In fact, isn't that fun? Because of Bill Lear and the vision he gave me, I've never applied for a job since college. Wow, and that was several years ago. <laughs> That's why you couldn't get one? Yeah. So I want to go back and tell you about a job I had while I was at college. Okay. Yeah, when I started as a freshman at university, I got a job at the cafeteria working in the dish room. Yeah. The dishes would come in through a little hole, and I would run them through the dishwasher. <laughs> and uh, I was going to tell you a little bit about how long ago that was, but they would pay me a dollar an hour to run those dishes through. One dollar, nice, nice round, one dollar an hour, which I thought was pretty good. Well, my boss came in one day and he saw me there working. He says, Roger, yeah, how'd you like to be a millionaire? I'd like that. <laughs> he says, okay, just work here a million hours. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, he had a point there, didn't he? Well, I have a point. How would you like to make a million dollars. I have an idea that any one of the Acela students could use to make a million dollars. This is a real idea. It's a, it's a three-step plan. Wow. Or I think you have other ears. A three-step plan, three-step mm -hmm. plan. If you follow these three steps, you'll make a million dollars. I'm not only gonna tell you the steps, I'm gonna show you how they work. First of all, step number one. This is a gold pen. This is a picture of, of yeah, you. Of, yeah, there it is. It's a picture. I'm on there with Peugeot. Can you see that? I Very can, nice. I can see that. Okay, step one get a pen and sign the picture. I now have my very own autographed picture of myself. <laughs> I think some students would like that, though. That, that's step number one. Oh, okay. There's more to There's this, more to okay? It. So, step number one, you sign a picture of yourself. Right. So you then have an autographed picture of yourself. Step number two, you go out and do something amazing and become very famous. <laughs> and then you sell the picture on eBay for a million bucks. That's a good thing. It's a good plan. It's, You've done some famous things. You owe me. I owe you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so uh, Joseph said that we have an assigned topic tonight: I becoming heard that. an inventioneer. Have you got your science fair project ready? Me personally. Mm -hmm. no. You want me to help you with mm -hmm. it? I okay. How high can you count? No, I'm not playing that. Well, there. <laughs> yeah. can, can you count really good? Mm -hmm. Okay. I have this little cube and put it here under the camera so people can see this little cube. You see that? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to just kind of show it, it pops open here. See that? Very neat. Isn't that cool? All right, now I'm going to put over here for you. Okay. And what I'd like you to do 
If you can break the plane, which means you bend it open, mm -hmm. you count it. That would be count number one. Try it. If you can break the plane, here she goes. Whoop, you did it. You can play it clear down flat. Okay. Now it's not even a cube. Now it's just like laid out. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. The science project is to find out how many times you can break the pain. So that's number one. Can you do it again? I don't know. No, no, no. No, nope, nope, nope. Well, don't just give, maybe, <laughs> I maybe was you try to this way. Oh, let's do it that way. Just Aha, so what number is that? Well, it still looks like the same thing to me. Well, but you turned it, didn't you? It was two. I think you turned it. Okay, now, <laughs> now try turn it up like that. Up like mm -hmm. this. No, no, no. No, no, no. 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 I love how See you this help middle me. Here? You, <laughs> see if you grab this end, this end, you bend it like that. Oh, okay. See I that? think you're doing awesome. Let's just keep going. <laughs> now, that's three. Are you keeping track? Keep going. Yeah. Try it again. You did it. Three. Try it again. No, keep going. <laughs> you're being a poor sport. <laughs> no. You know what? No, no, that's going that's back. That's going the other way. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Oh, I thought we okay, did that's this. number four. We keep going. Went that way. And Four. again, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're going to turn it like this. Oh, like that. Yeah, like that. We just that. keep doing it over and over. Five. Do you know what this is called, by this the way? This is called a tease. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is an infinity cube. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. One to yeah. infinity. I can count that. So you don't want to do that then. Is that the deal? That's pretty neat. Okay. All right, well. I thought we'd spend the rest of our time running that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you're not going to be a very Look, good sport. I'm finally getting it. Look, there we go. Okay. So I've got, have you seen one of these before? I've never seen one mm -hmm. of those before. Um, this is a special piece of equipment that's been developed to detect the presence of aliens that have come from other solar systems. Yeah. I hear there are some. Okay. Well, Maybe. I just, I just wanted you to know about it. And sometime... I'm thinking about doing an experiment with this. <laughs> are you still trying to find out if I am one? <laughs> you are, aren't you? <laughs> you want to know what my would, origin it is? It wouldn't be appropriate for me to answer that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just wouldn't be. Okay. okay. But I do want to do Joseph's assignment. So the assignment is, now what is it again? Becoming an inventioneer, inventionary. Inventioneer. So, would you like to start? Yes. Okay, go ahead. So, Dr. Billings, will you tell us how to become an inventioneer? <laughs> <laughs> yes, chairperson. <laughs> really, how do you do it? One of the ways that we become successful in inventionary, which means we're using technology to do something new and wonderful for mankind is through a technique called persistence. I mean, that's the big fancy artistic word. The other word is stubborn. I'm willing <laughs> to give up, okay? So if you have a clearly focused goal and you're very stubborn in pursuing that goal, persistent, I mean, then you can achieve it. And that is a capability that it takes to be an inventioneer. For our special student tonight, she had to be pretty persistent to be able to do well in her schooling, and congratulations to her. I, I think it's wonderful. 
But I'd like to see if I can underscore uh, a little bit of what I've learned about being persistent in, in trying to achieve something with your education. And if, if we can do this very quickly, then we, then we can get anyway, you know what I mean? Okay. I'm anxious to see what that is. I am too. <laughs> okay, I'm done now. Oh. <laughs> So I want to go back, back, back in time until I, I reached the point that I was a young elementary school student. Okay. okay, It's hard to believe, but I was. And I can remember that. I can't remember what happened yesterday, but no, I can remember <laughs> that. When I would talk, sometimes the kids around me would laugh at me. And that was, that was hard. They weren't being mean. It's just sometimes I talked silly or funny. They thought it was funny. It felt to me like they were being mean, but I don't think they were. I just thought I talked in a very special way. And for some reason, the way my brain was wired, the sound of F, you know, like funny, I got mixed up with the sound of TH. And so instead of saying funny, I would say funny. I can see why they kind of thought that was cute. <laughs> well, it was a real problem, mm -hmm. and I would just do it, and it, it was a problem for me. Mm -hmm. But as people started laughing, I started getting very insecure, and so I wanted to quit talking. And that's kind of how it goes. You know, in life, we like to encourage each other to be our best, and I don't think they were trying to be mean, but I was very intimidated. And so I started just not talking because I didn't understand really what I was doing wrong. Um, a year later in my elementary school career, the teacher uh, introduced me to a special speech therapist that would come into our school once a week, and I would go sit in the office with this therapist, and they would try and train me to say F's when I meant F and THs when I meant THs. And I worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. And by the end of the school year, I finally broke that bad habit. And I, I could hear the difference between the two sounds and I used it correctly. But my problem of insecurity about speaking didn't go away. Even when I got so they didn't laugh at me, I was always insecure, insecure, insecure. Now in the third grade, I decided I want to be a scientist. I want to be a scientist. And if you're going to be a scientist, there's you, things you've got to learn, there's things you've got to do. And one of the things you've got to be able to do is talk to people. You, you need to be able to express your ideas and maybe get funding or support or work with other team members. And I was very insecure in getting up in front of a group. I didn't want to talk in front of people. Mm. Shy. Mm. Yeah. And so I decided when I was finally old enough to go to college, I've got to break this fear. I've got to overcome it. And I used kind of a scientific approach. Okay, I have something that is holding up my inventioneering career. Of course, back then I didn't realize that it was called inventioneering. That term wasn't invented until the school, Institute of Science and Technology was created to teach inventioneering, but the concept was, and I wanted to invent things, I wanted to make new technologies go to work, 
but I'm not going to be able to do this unless I can learn how to get up in front of people and talk. So how, how will I do that? How am I going to do that? Mind control didn't work. <laughs> and then I got an idea. I should get a job at a radio station. I should be a radio announcer. First of all, there was no people there looking at you. That would help. Second of all, there were a lot of people there listening to you. So I decide what I'll do is I'll get a job at a radio station. And if I get so I can talk on the radio, I'll forget that I ever had this speech impediment. Okay? okay. It's a good idea. So how do you get a job at a radio station? Well, I called the radio station. And I said, hi, I'd like to be a radio announcer. Uh, do you have any openings? So you can come down, fill out an application, and bring a demo tape. A demo tape? Yeah, a tape recording of you being an announcer so we can see how you sound. So I got a record, and I recorded a demo tape. Hi, it's <laughs> 7.33 o'clock, and you're listening to the radio. <laughs> and I took my tape down. And they called me back and said, I'm sorry, but we don't think you've got the right training to be on our commercial radio station. And it was a small station, but it was commercial. <laughs> and they weren't interested. So. Now remember, I said inventioners very often have to be persistent. Mm -hmm. Persistent, persistent. So think about that for a minute. While you're thinking about it, I'm going to tell you something else. Uh, one day, way down the road, through with college, I've started my own company, been for a year out with Bill Lear, been mentored, I'm ready to go, and I'm working on hydrogen cars. I've just built the world's first hydrogen bus. It was on a big press release. I'm all excited. I'm really rolling, and the phone rings. This is a true story. Okay. <laughs> Hello, this is Roger Billings. The Roger Billings? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is Robert Redford. It's so nice to meet you. Hi, Robert. The Robert Redford? Yeah. I should say, is this the Robert? <laughs> Robert Redford said he was shooting a movie in New York City, uh -huh. and he just read in the New York newspaper about the new hydrogen bus. And he said, and it's right there in my hometown. Funny. He said, could I meet you sometime? <laughs> it took that long? Yes. <laughs> and so I met Robert Redford. And he came to my laboratory, and he wanted to see everything. He loved hydrogen. He loved there was no pollution. Robert. Redford loves this planet. He does. And he just really wanted to keep it wonderful and clean and beautiful. And so we spent a lot of time talking about technology. And then he said, I'm building a brand new home, completely powered by solar energy. And we're having some technology problems. Would you mind coming up and looking at it? Wow. It was about 20 minutes from my laboratory. So would you mind coming up and looking at it, see if you can help us solve some of those problems? So away I went up to his house, and, and we kind of became friends. <laughs> I like that smile. Isn't that special? Mm -hmm. Well, now I have to tell you the other part of the story. You see, 
My association with Robert started before that phone call. Oh. Yeah. Really? We got to go back to the radio station story <laughs> now, okay? So they didn't like the tape. Boy, that, that is probably because I'm still working on my speech. Is that what you thought? So I got a recorder, and I said, <clears throat> it's now 36 minutes after 7 o'clock, and, <laughs> and you're listening to the radio. That sounds terrible. I tried, I made a whole bunch of tapes. I kept making them, making them. Fine. Oh, this one's good. It's now 7.37, and you're listening to the radio. And I sent it back to him. Hi, I'm back. No, but thank you. I don't think you really have the voice for radio announcing. <laughs> persistence, persistence. <laughs> I tried and 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 tried again. For a whole other year, I practiced. I used to get the newspaper and read it like I read it like I'm a radio guy. And now, for the news, uh, today in London, and every day it got a little bit easier, and a little bit easier, and a little bit easier. So I made another tape. This time I made it. <clears throat> You're listening to KIXX Radio, where it's 33 minutes after the hour. Weatherman calling for party. And I gave him the tape. I said, you're hired. <laughs> that felt good. And huh? so I became an official radio announcer at KIXX Radio. Kicks. I bet you get a kick out of that. <laughs> I did. And I, I was the weekend part-time announcer, but I was a radio announcer, and I get on there and I talk to that microphone. And I remember when I started out, it was really challenging. I had to get an FCC license. You see, every radio station has a transmitter, and it has to be set right. If you over-modulate an AM radio transmitter, <laughs> that means if you turn the audio up you're modulating the radio waves with, they go off frequency, and you interfere with all the other stations around, which is frowned upon. <laughs> so you have to have a licensed engineer to make sure the radio is set right on the modulation. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get a third class FCC license, and then I was a radio announcer, and I really thought it was great. But on the weekends, I was the only guy at the station. I had to take the transmitter readings, and every half hour, we had to go read the voltages, and I had to read the news. I had to give the weather forecasts, and I had to play the commercials, and I had to pick the music to play. And that was a lot to do. Our music was on vinyl records, great big ones. We'd pop them on there. I had two turntables, so I put two records on, and then I'd put the needle on. But when I would do it, I turned it off so it wasn't transmitting, and then I'd turn it to get it right where it would start. So when I was ready to push the start button, it'd just take right off. If I got it too close to the sound, it'd go So I had to get it back just a little bit more. You have to get that perfect, right? Yep. And then our commercials were on cartridge tapes, like 8-track. And so we had a whole bunch of commercials of different, here's McDonald's and here's one, and we'd have to put them in here. And every time we played a commercial, I had to write a log. This commercial was played at 6.05 p.m. because, you know, we'd earn a little bit every time we played it. And it was 
It was impossible for one person to do all that. It was just impossible. impossible. And you had to go pick out the record and find one and put it on, and it was just terrible. (laughs) And to make things worse, our radio station didn't have very good ratings. (laughs) And I said, ratings? What are ratings? And I asked my boss. My, My boss's name was Harold. Harold Van Wagner. In fact, you want to see my boss? Yes, I did. Oh. Yeah, here's Harold. There he is. Did you know that Harold Van Wagner, before he started this radio station, was the mayor of my city? No. Yeah, he was the mayor of the city, and he and I became good friends. But uh, when he told me we don't have very good ratings, what that means is no one listens to this station. Ratings is you're rated by how many people you have. And in radio, it, it doesn't matter uh, how nice you are on the microphone. It matters if anybody's listening. Because mm-hmm. if someone's going to pay you to play a commercial, they choose the station that people listen to. And we had everything but listeners. And I think I know one of the reasons we didn't have a very good audience, because we were so low in the ratings that record companies wouldn't send us records. <laughs> That's really bad. They send records to Radio State and then us. We were on the sad. no send list. <laughs> so anyway, there we were, and I was on the radio, and I was really so proud of it, and everything was good. But Harold wasn't the only owner of our station. He had a brother named Frank. Frank and Harold both owned the station. Harold was the one that hired me and became good friends. Frank was his brother, his partner. And Frank and I knew each other, we shook hands, but Harold was the guy that really ran the station, okay? Well, after a couple months of being on the radio station, I learned how I could run the commercials, log the things, read the news, do all the things we had to do while eating a sandwich. (laughs) It's amazing how good you can get at that. And some of the commercials were not on cartridges. They were on reel-to-reel. That means you had a tape, and you'd hold up and hang down. You'd put on the tape recorder, and you'd have to thread it and get on the second reel. And then you have to find the beginning, so when you're ready, you just go, Yeah, it was back in the day. You do that all eating was, a sandwich. It was back in the day. And you, yeah, and talk on, hi. <laughs> to your girlfriend. Well, <laughs> try and stay focused. Oh, okay. Just curious. Uh, stay focused. Well, now this this has to go somewhere, okay? And everything was pretty good, except we didn't have music that anybody wanted to listen to, and most of our records were scratched. Oh, you know, you turn on the radio. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Scratch, scratch. That was a real problem back in the That's day. Really- and so one day, Harold came in to me and he says, Roger, I've got some really good news. We're taking you off the weekend shift. We're going to put you during the week on a full shift, and we're going to make you the program manager. Oh. The program manager? I said, what's that? And he says, that's the guy who gets more people to listen to our station. <laughs> <laughs> and he sa- I said, well, if you want people to listen, you've got to play music they like. And he says, okay, you can. You can play music you want. And I said, well, we don't have any records. He says, I'm not the program manager. <laughs> so I went down to the drugstore because they sold records there. And I said, hey, 
would you like to get more people come in and buy your drugs and stuff? Oh. You know? <laughs> and I said, yes. And I says, well, I'm the program manager of the radio station, and if you'll give me some records, we'll play commercials for you. Yeah, I trade commercials for <laughs> records. That's pretty smart. Yeah, that was That's pretty really smart. smart. So we got a lot of real nice records, beautiful albums. One of the things we got was some beautiful Carpenters music. Yeah. Yeah, I just really liked it. And some of the Carpenters have beautiful, nice music. And our radio station was the format of MOR, Middle of the Road. It was for people that like nice listening music, okay? So I brought those back. <laughs> I'm so excited. The next day when I came to work, I pulled out the Carpenters album, and there were great big wax marks through half the tracks. Oh my. Someone had taken a wax pen and marked through the tracks. And these are my records. I just traded for them. What happened? Well, Frank's wife, <laughs> named Phyllis, said those tracks were too wild. <laughs> Carpenters happened. <laughs> I was absolutely in shock. That's been the top of the world I was, song. <laughs> I was in shock. And that night, you know, our radio station <laughs> was shut down at midnight. Oh. We would go until 12 midnight and say, this concludes our broadcast day. <laughs> we'd go out here. This is KIXX Radio. We'd like to thank you for listening. Well, I was... Well, I'm not proud of how I was feeling that night. <laughs> and and I, in a weak moment, which I regret, and I will never do again. You, still, you regret it still? Yeah. I just says, this ends another broadcast day at Kickle Pickle Radio. That's terrible. <laughs> That's not bad. Immediately, my phone started ringing. <laughs> and I got to meet Phyllis, Frank's wife. <laughs> And you say, well, so what? I mean, people don't always get along. Did you know that Phyllis, can I show them a picture of Phyllis? I would like to see Okay, Phyllis. let's see a picture. This is Phyllis. Bless her heart. Hi, Phyllis. Phyllis just happened to be the mother of Robert Redford's first wife. Oh. And here she is. Hello. Mr. and Mrs. Redford. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> she was kind of a celebrity's mom. Mm -hmm. And what did you say? <clears throat> and I thought, well, there's nobody listening. Except for her. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my first introduction to Robert Redford. And uh, I never did connect point. You know that guy that did kick up at that <laughs> We left that out of the story. But there is an interesting point here. There's one other thing that I need to tell you that might make some of you go into endless loop mode in your brains. Endless loop. Endless <laughs> loop. But but it's a true story, so I, I feel compelled that I need to tell you. When I went to read the news. We got a, a, we had a telex machine that would get the news off, rip it off, and I'd read it. And it came from the news service. And then it was time to give the weather report. The time, the time was easy. I'd read that off the clock, but the weather. I says, so how do we, how do we get the weather? We're going to tell people what the weather forecast is. 
And they said, oh, that's what the, that radio's for. Well, that radio was over on the transmitter, and it was called the emergency broadcast radio. Have you ever been listening to a radio and all of a sudden it goes, this has been a test of the emergency broadcast system. Well, that's what that was. So if there was ever an emergency, mm -hmm. then all the radio stations would hear that beep and they'd all be able to say, yep, there's an emergency. Okay. And we had to have that. And our station listened to another radio station, which listened to another to another that eventually went back to the government. Well, the one we listened to was a big radio station across town called KOVO. They had two towers. They were big, big yeah. And so I said, that's emergency broadcast station. I said, yeah, but you just go over there and flip that switch, and you can hear KOVO. And if you know what time their weather is, you just go over and turn on and then write it down, and you, and you just read it. <laughs> Simple, huh? That's ingenious. <laughs> so beginning my shift, I go over, and I knew exactly when they would do the weather at KOVO. I'd flip it on, write down. Weatherman calling for partly cloudy skies tomorrow with a chance of write it down, write it down. Well, later, I became very, very close friends with the disc jockey over at KOVO. You know, radio guys got to hang together, and one day we were, <laughs> we were kind of out hanging together, and I said, you want to hear something really funny? He said, yeah. He said, guess where we get our weather? And he says, from the clouds? And then, no, no, I mean, our weather forecast. He said, where? <laughs> We listen to you guys. <laughs> I turn your radio on the emergency broadcast, and I write down you. And he says, you're kidding. And I thought, oh, no. I shouldn't have told him. And he says, are you serious? And, yeah. And he said, guess where we get ours? I said, I don't know. He said, we get it from you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, goodness, guys. <laughs> I think that's why one day... When I said, the weatherman calling for snow today, and it was sunny outside, it could be, why, you know, endless loop. Where did that weather come from anyway? But my point is, I had a mission. I wanted to become a scientist. I wanted to invent things, and I wanted to get people excited about them. And I had to be able to get up and say, dang it, this is a hydrogen bottle. Be excited. But I couldn't because I lacked the confidence. And so I came up with something that would fix my lack of confidence. Well, it turns out I still talk like this. You talk like this? Oh, yeah. This is how I talk. <laughs> what, you don't like it? I, okay. I do. <laughs> but, but I can do it. And I, I try to think more about what people are hearing rather than what I sound like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In inventioneering... A big key to the, to the success, the key to the secret, is to be able to persevere. Now, sometimes you go on a dead end, and sooner you figure that out, back up and do something else, the better off you are. But in general, almost every trail to success with anything sufficiently worthwhile to be worth doing feels like it's a dead end, sometimes right up to the end. And you can't just give up. You, you have to persevere. And that's a, that's a real lesson. Yeah. She's not impressed. Actually, I, I want to um, delete that story. <laughs> I was thinking that we should have a word for the month of January and should okay. be persevere. And the, 
persevere. Mm -hmm. January and persevere. I like that. Okay. Well, I would like to show a technology for the month of January. Okay. We've been talking a lot about the newest cellos, the new tools, the things that are coming out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of students have been taking chemistry. And chemistry is about mixing chemicals together and make things happen. We have wonderful chemistry courses, wonderful chemistry teachers. But to really get chemistry, you need to get some acid and some base and some chemicals and mix them together. And people need to have that laboratory experience. Yeah. So we have been working on making a laboratory that fits inside your computer so that everyone wow. will be able to do the lab stuff. And if a cellist is going to do it for our cellist students, mm -hmm. it's got to be awesome. It does. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And so would you like to see a little sneak preview of how the chemistry stuff's coming? Yes. So remember we talked about a thing called 3D animation. Mm -hmm. And this is animation, you know, animation means like a cartoon where figures move. But 3D animation means that it's in three dimensions. So when you look at it, the images look much more real, compelling. I would like to show you a 3D animation of water being poured from a flask into a beaker and water being boiled. Let's see what you think. Now, doesn't that I make you want to take chemistry? I yes, I love it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about <laughs> that it. That is and neat. It's, it's just fun to think that Celis is great. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm told, one of the most, if not the most effective learning system on the planet. Mm -hmm. But it's not nearly good enough, not for our students. Yeah. And so here we go. And I think the idea that we can, but we can do better is a real key to, to changing the world and to do a lot of things. And speaking of the world, there are things from out of this world. There are. Yes, there are. And I just would like to show you a little experiment I'm working on okay. to see. Are you, see are you done with this? You no, keep, this is you keep going. That's really, yeah. it's infinite. All right. I, I would sure. like to just show this. Can you can you see this? Uh -huh. So there's there's this little black thing in there. Can you mm -hmm. see that? I can. Okay. I'm going to see how this reacts. This little black blob mm -hmm. has magnetic properties. And it's got a little switch here. I'm going to go ahead and turn it on. Whoop, there it goes. Oh, look at can that. Can you see that? Yeah. So it forms a star. Then it goes to sleep. Oh. oh. Okay, that is awesome. <laughs> oh. Peje. 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 Look how excited it got. Peje. Peje. <laughs> Guys, Peje is an alien name. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. It is. All right. So till next time.
study hard, study hard, study harder, and persevere, you can learn this stuff. Okay? okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.